from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. If we're looking at police officers as we have historically, as the sole responder to all people calling for, or acting for, or otherwise needing help, um, then, then maybe the answer is no. But in reality, what I understand this, the residents of St. Louis to want, what the, what, the, what the leadership of the city recognizes, is that the, the right responder is needed. And if that's the issue, then we have enough police. What we need is more responders. By diverting some of those calls to civilians, the city would need an increase in officers working patrol. We'd need about a 15% increase. But you're saying, yeah, these other solutions really work. This is something the city can go can do instead. I'm Sarah Fenske. Mayor Tashara Jones spoke with us about how she wants to reimagine public safety. But that's a long-term goal. And in the meantime, a new report from the Center for Policing Equity provides suggestions for fixing the current system. Quote, while we have to work to build the systems we need, we must also work to improve the systems we have. Its authors write. That report is a 110-page document that explores everything from the need for after-school programming for St. Louis youth to more accountability for St. Louis police officers officers. And here to discuss it is Hans Menos. He is the vice president of the triage response team at the Center for Policing Equity. That nonprofit started at UCLA and has staffers around the country. Hans, welcome. Hello, and thank you for having me. So Hans, how did your organization first get involved with digging into the state of policing in St. Louis? Yeah, so CPE, our overall, our mission is to eliminate uh, racism around the country. Um, we do that by making communities safer for black and vulnerable people. Um, and our work around the country started with law enforcement agencies. Um, St. Louis is one of those agencies. Uh, through our national justice database, we partner with agencies to focus on car stops, uh, or should I should say disparities in car stops, pedestrian stops, use of force, and searches within the stops. Um, so our first partnership with St. Louis is really on that project. Um, and expanded um, after they elected Mayor Jones and through conversations with Dr. Eisen. And so you started, you published a report in September that looked at how black people in St. Louis have borne the brunt of policing enforcement here, um, far beyond what one should expect to see statistically. This, you're taking an almost bigger picture view of this department. Is, is that something that you typically do? So yeah, I, mean, I think CPE's goal around the in, since our work started was to to take these these larger steps. Um, as the country has grown after the murder of George Floyd, after our conversations around racial equity, uh, we've we've moved beyond simply partnering with police departments on this type of information. That's still a core of our work, but we're really moving to some of these other efforts to reimagine to to again focus on the in the, the experience of Black people in the cities that we're working with. Um, and, and, and find the opportunities to improve their experience. Um, and certainly, you know, I want to be clear that while CPE supports this work, uh, the mayor mm -hmm. has a vision um, that, we, that is very aligned with this. And so our goal really is to support that vision, to support her vision, uh, Dr. Eisen's vision, and, and many of the, the people on the ground, the community on the ground in St. Louis that are asking for this type of change. 
So I imagine many people listening here have questions about policing in St. Louis. And so if you have a question for Hans Manos, who has now studied this uh, through the Center for Policing Equity, uh, we're going to open the phone lines. You can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. So Hans, one of the most hotly debated questions in St. Louis, you hear people on both sides of this issue with very strong opinions, is whether we have enough police officers. What did your report find about whether or not we do? So I think the, the, the question itself is part of what our report found, right? Is that what are we expecting police officers to be doing? If we're looking at police officers, as we have historically, as the sole responder to all people calling for, or asking for, or otherwise needing help, um, then, then maybe the answer is no. But in reality, what I understand this, the residents of St. Louis to want, what the, what, the, what the leadership of the city recognizes, is that the, the right responder is needed. And if that's the issue, then we have enough police. What we need is more responders. And so they have some great programs now that uh, have been impactful. Their, their crew teams or, or their, their mental health uh, teams, um, uh, the Purple Shirts as they're called, have had a lot of success as being a responder and, and, and being more impactful when they do respond. Some of their diversion uh, that, that has come into 911, those call diversions, have been very impactful in resolving those issues without needing without need for dispatch. Hmm. And so when we talk about reimagining public safety, it's really the core of it is, what is it that we have expected policing to do? Um, what has that been? The, and the, the answer to that question is that that has resulted in a system of punishment for people. Uh, asking for help or otherwise needing help. And what is needed now, when we, when we talk about reimagining, is building that system of care. And I'm, I'm observing St. Louis actively doing that in many ways without CPE's assistance before we even got here, and in many ways focusing on that system of care in the future. And so you're saying in this report, um, if calls aren't reduced, uh, for example, by diverting some of those calls to civilians, the city would need an increase in officers working patrol. We'd need about a 15% increase. But you're saying, yeah, these other solutions really work. This is something the city can go can do instead. Right. And, and I, I should say, once again, to be clear, this is what the residents of the city are asking for. Mm-hmm. What folks are looking for is no more punitive responses. Um, it is incongruent, as the mayor would say, or as the mayor, I think, what has says, to send a person with a badge and a gun to all problems. Every, everybody does not need a badge and a gun responding to them. So what we're looking for here is the right responder, the, 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 the congruent responder. So we do hear this a lot from people in St. Louis, that they don't just want to see, um, you know, the police coming in with, with a heavy hand. At the same time, we also hear a lot of people, I'll read you a tweet, this is from David, please crack down on all of these issues, speeding, running red lights, and expired or no car tags. There are so many people in St. Louis who feel like our streets are not safe, they're frustrated by other drivers. How does this relate to the suggestion of fewer traffic stops? and less heavy-handed policing. So I think the, the reality is that that is super, super important to focus on. You know, we should be grounding all of our work on the, on the concern of residents. Um, I'd want to have a discussion with a community or, or that individual who, and, and really understand what they mean by crackdown and what other opportunities there are to address these issues. I don't know that it's solely a, per, a, a badge and a gun or a person who's pulling somebody over. There are examples from around the country where things like the built environment around road safety have been more impactful. 
And I'd really want to ask the question, how has that been useful? How has that been helpful? How has law enforcement responding to these issues worked out so far? Because there is a risk to doing things differently. But I think it's also important to recognize the risk to the status quo. If we continue to do the same thing, I, need, I think we all need to understand how effective that's been and what the harm is in, what the risk has been in keeping things the same. What's an example you'd point to of something that a different city has done um, on this front that St. Louis could learn from? So if we're talking about the, the, the responders that exist, we've seen um, uh, some, of the, some of the most famous examples of the CAHOOTS program in Oregon, but also more recently launched in Chicago. Some of these folks, these mental health responders, have responded to problems without the need for any further punitive response, no, no, no incarceration, no arrest, and more importantly, no need for backup. In other words, they're not calling the police to come help them and support them. Um, but in your own city, uh, as I understand it, some of that diversion work, that 911 call diversion work, mm-hmm. has been impactful to not necessarily require a response. So I'm happy to point around the country, but I think that right here in St. Louis, if I understand the program as, as, as it's been reported and described to me, the 911 call diversion is a, is a great example of how the residents of the city are still getting someone speaking to them and, and trying to identify how to meet their needs without sending somebody, in particular sending somebody who's armed. We should mention, uh, you referred to that program, CAHOOTS, that's Crisis Assistance Helping Out on the Streets. That's a mobile crisis intervention program uh, that helps provide mental health response. Not something currently in place yet in St. Louis, but maybe something we could see down the line. Uh, it's certainly in line with cops and clinicians, which has paired cops with social workers. That seems to be off to a really good start. So, yeah, there are things happening here. Um, Hans, one of the other things we hear from a lot of even, frankly, St. Louis aldermen, they have publicly charged that the St. Louis Police Department, that it doesn't have too few officers, but that it still has too few officers on the streets because the department is too top-heavy. There's too many supervisors. Did your report bear that out? So I don't know that we looked at the in the issue of too many supervisors. I can cer- certainly circle back on that. But I've heard this. I've heard this concern overall. Um, you know, the flip side of, of that is that supervision is a really super important aspect to policing. Uh, having the right number of supervisors and utilizing them appropriately uh, does cut down on other issues that might exist. So if we look at some of the, the more famous issues of, cre- of police cor- corruption or malfeasance, uh, typically the first thing that people say is there weren't enough supervisors present to, to curb that and to, and to, uh, and to monitor that. Um, and one of our recommendations does talk about utilizing supervisors towards this goal, utilizing the body-worn camera uh, at a supervisory level, at the sergeant or, or lieutenant or frontline level, to ensure that we're observing and, uh, what officers are doing and, u- and utilizing the body on camera, which was promised as an accountability tool, but often is not used as an accountability tool, to ensure that the residents of the city get that supervisory review of what frontline officers are doing to address any issues, whether it be training or worse, that need to be addressed. So an evaluation of St. Louis's gunshot detection system found that it resulted in a significant increase in calls for service, but didn't significantly contribute to resolving gun crimes or reductions in violence. Is this something that the St. Louis police should maybe stop using, or is this something that could be improved? So certainly, I think this is something that needs to be evaluated at a deeper level. So the, the source of information for this was really um, the work done by some analysts in the city. And they were the folks who highlighted that many of the response 
by police to these uh, to these um, these notifications. The shot uh, spotter not, system, as we call it here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the shot spotter. Yeah, for sure. We're not yielding um, the results that they would like. In other words, there was not many reports being generated. There wasn't exa- a lot of arrests or a- any other indicators that were saying that something happened here and a police response was necessary. However. Um, part of our process was to really stress test and have deep conversations with the people on the ground. And one of the things that the police department indicated was that it was potentially useful for investigations. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Louis has a, has, a, um, has a machine that many other jurisdictions have. Uh, it's called a Nybridge machine. But it's basically a ballistic evidence tool. And so they can, they can theoretically trace bullets to the gun that it was fired from, and that could be useful down the street, down the road in investigations. The the reality is they don't really know how useful it's been. And so right now they're saying it's likely useful, it's possibly useful, and we just need to get more information about how useful it is. So our recommendation is really is to assess the usefulness of that tool for investigations and then assess um, or, or, can, or reconsider a patrol response given the other issues that came up in patrol, which is that police officers are stretched too thin and this particular response is taking up a lot of their time with not a lot of positives to show for it. When we talk about police officers being stretched too thin, uh, you also found that they aren't necessarily being deployed properly, that North St. Louis and downtown are getting short shrift, even while there's too many officers in other neighborhoods. Is that a big problem when it comes to these high caseloads they're dealing with? I think that is a problem. Uh, So the analysis highlighted that uh, based on time of day, based on shift and based on on geography in in terms of what district they're in, that there's a bit of a flat staffing when there is a clear difference in demand. So, you know, any any business would probably do something different. You know, you're you're getting more cashiers on a Saturday or Sunday at the supermarket and not as many as on a Tuesday night. Right. And so not to oversimplify, but very similar to that, uh, the police department's deployment should likely match the demand both based on time of day and by geography in order to really you know, meet the needs of their officers so they're not stretched too thin. There's a lot of science about what happens when officers are too are overly strained and what kind of decisions they make and how well they're able to engage with community. Um, but also to focus on the community to make sure that they're meeting, they're getting the level of service that they're asking for. That they're not, in some cases, not getting a response at all or waiting in, in uh, an unacceptable amount of time to get that response. Hmm. Well, there are already uh, some changes being made in terms of deployment as a result of this report. So we'll see if that helps with some of these issues. Hans, in our final minute or so here, um, you know, you've done deep dives into city management and police departments in other cities in the U.S. When you compare St. Louis to those, what stands out to you? What do you see as a particular challenge that we're going to have to deal with here? So, you know, if you don't mind, what I first have to say is it was a particular strength. And what's a particular strength is the community in St. Louis. The folks there are particularly engaged. Uh, And I mean that sincerely. There is a lot of people that we've had conversations with that are not only dialed in to what they want, but are very well aware of what what it takes to get there and, and understand what they need to do, what role they need to play. So we're really looking forward to deeper partnership, whether it's via the Public Safety Collaborative, which is one of our recommendations around operationalizing and democratizing data, but also an other engagement so we can continue to get feedback from community members about what they're seeing and what they want to do. Um, In terms of of weaknesses, in terms of uh, issues that they want that police departments do need to address, you know, every city is so unique 
as it relates to, as it relates to the particular challenges. But in St. Louis, one of the challenges certainly is understanding how the how the the, the police department can interface with that community, hmm. and that's something that I believe in terms of community engagement also came out in the report, and that we're looking forward to work with them on. Okay, well, there's a lot of room here um, for a whole lot of changes. Hans Menos, I want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.